morning. All right. Yeah, praise the Lord. We're in the house of the Lord. It's a great morning. We have really had a great time of worship. It was just so uplifting. It's great to be together with God's people, worshiping him. And it's always my prayer every Sunday. We just lay aside everything. Just put everything up, uh, down and praise the Lord. Get ready to uh, hear from his word. We sang a song, uh, a few songs that talked about our, uh, sometimes our needs. One line in one of our songs is, I'm not hopeless. I am not hopeless. You've never failed me once. But there are times, I'm sure, where we felt perhaps not totally hopeless, but maybe a little without hope at certain times. And this morning, uh, we're going to touch a little bit on, on that theme uh, but to really look at it in a positive way, to turn it to the positive. And we're going to be focused in an Old Testament book, the Old Testament book of Lamentations. So if you want to get ready, just stick your finger into Lamentations chapter 3. That's where we're going to be parked today, and we're going to read much of this chapter. While you're getting there, and just as a little bit of background, Lamentations is a book of poetry, and from the title... We really get a, a great hint about what it's uh, all about, right? It's a lament. And what's a lament? It's a sad story. It's about weeping and wailing. We shouldn't be surprised to read about broken hearts and sad stories and just everything being poured out, a dirge. And a dirge is a song, a very sad song. The dirge is a lament put to music. It's a funeral song. And that's sort of the, the picture of what's going on in the book of Lamentations. And there are some that say these poems in the book, that they were songs, that they were songs, and they very well could have been because uh, they are poetic, they're lyrical, they are like the book of Psalms uh, and set to music. The book of Psalms were songs. And the Lamentations could also be songs, albeit very sad songs. Lamentations is just five chapters, though, not like 150 of the Psalms. But they're five poems. Five poems, or again, we could say five songs. Many uh, give ownership or authorship, I should say, of the book of Lamentations to the prophet Jeremiah. Some, however, think that each of these poems, they were written by different individuals, and uh, that would also be like the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms, again, 150 Psalms, has different writers, different authors. Each psalm is a standalone work. It's a standalone song. And that could be the case for the book of Lamentations. We don't know for sure. The first uh, four chapters are poems that are in this acrostic style and that they conform to, the acrostic conforms to the Hebrew alphabet, which was 22 consonants. So 22 verses, and each verse begins with a letter, the, a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet, beginning with the first letter, Aleph. So verse one of chapter one begins with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph, the second verse begins with the second letter, Beth, and so on. It goes through 
22 verses, each one of them beginning with a successive letter of the alphabet. And uh, that form is chapter one, chapter two, uh, chapter four. The final chapter, number five, also has 22 verses, but it diverged from the acrostic format. And then there's chapter three, which is right in the middle, which is a very interesting chapter. It's 66 verses. It's different than the first, the second, the fourth, the fifth. It's right there in the middle, but yet it's um, perfectly balanced. Lamentations is this sad and dark book that covers these just weepings and wailings, and yet it's beautifully structured. It has this beautiful balance, and in, in a sense, you know, you could see just with that that even though it's a, a book about laments and weeping and wailing and heartbreak, there is some hope there. Whoever was responsible for putting it together worked hard to get this to be such a beautiful, beautiful, perfectly balanced book. The second and the fourth, uh, or the, the first and the second, the fourth and the fifth, they've got that 22 verse. In the middle, though, there's 66 verses. But it also follows the acrostic format. But it's in triplicate. The first verse has three, verse, three verses, a stanza, if you will, and they all begin with that first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph. Verse one, verse two, verse three. And then the next set of three verses or the next stanza, verses four, five, and six, they begin with Beth, the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And it goes through all the way. So it's 22 sets of three verses. And that, that's, it's beautiful. The translation from that original Hebrew, it's lost. It's lost in our modern day English. So we don't see this format. We don't see the acrostic format. We don't see the beauty. We miss the structure except for we see 22, 22, 66, 22, 22. We see that balance. But we could easily miss some of the beauty of the poetry. We could miss that it's lyrical. We could miss a bit that it, it, it could have been a song. And in this chapter three, that I'll just call it a song, it's personal. It's personal. And there are some that interpret chapter three as about the nation of Judah. But I see it and I take it as speaking for a person. It begins with these words. Chapter three begins with, I am the man. And that's personal. And then it uses the personal pronouns, I and me throughout and if we know a little bit about the prophet Jeremiah, and we've talked about him, if we know a bit, he certainly, certainly could have been the writer of all the lamentations. But specifically, chapter three. If, if there are multiple authors to the book, chapter three, it belongs to Jeremiah. It just points straight to him. We're, we're gonna get into this chapter and I'm going to be considering it as written by the prophet Jeremiah. And it's uh, his story. It's a story of personal heartbreak. And if it were a song, we might, first thing I go to is a country song. It's a, to me, it's a country song. And country songs, they touch on these kinds of themes. 
Not always, but there are these genres of country songs that touch on heartbreak and loss, don't they? Uh, there is there's a, a kind of a, I'll say again, a genre of country songs about cheaters, cheaters who break hearts, and they often have uh, lyrics about how the cheater breaks a heart, and then what's the consequence for the cheater, and then the vengeance. There's, there is sometimes a vengeance, vengeance for the cheater. If you think way back, if you know Hank Williams, he, he wrote, you're cheating heart. That seems really mild today. It, it, and he talks about some of the, the, the heartbreak and what's going to happen to that cheater. Oh, you're going to cry. You're going to lose sleep for cheating on me. Your cheating heart will tell on you. It's, it's super mild compared to some of the songs we hear today, right? Uh, a more contemporary song about cheating, I'll take my Louisville slugger to both headlights and slash holes in all four of your tires. And maybe you'll think the next time you cheat. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the, now that's really pouring out the, the, the just the vitriol. And, and there's country songs, they're just all blues. They're all down. Everything that can go wrong does go wrong. And I, as far as specifics, I'll just say they kind of can fit a, a mold, an outline. Hey, I lost my job. My truck was stolen. I walked home and ruined my new boots. When I got there, I found the empty house. She was gone, you know. She did me wrong. Left me for another. No one home but me and the dog. And then he bit me. You know, something like that. You know, it's just like, it goes from bad to worse to worse and... Uh, I'm guessing, I'm guessing all of you here, you could look at a time in your life, a season, eh, maybe it was a minute, a day, a week, a month, a year, multiple years, where you were uh, down, where maybe there was broken heart, maybe there was hurting, confusion, and you could have written your own country song. Maybe today, maybe today you're sitting here in that place where you've got some hurt, some confusion, things just aren't going well, and you could write your song. And would it be, would it be only a dirge if you're looking back, or if, even if it's today? Would it be all the blues? Would it be all down and no up? Would it be all negative and no positive? Or would you have a line? Would you have some kind of line about hope, about help, about healing? Think about that. Think about that, what your song would be as we get into this third chapter of the book of Lamentations. You know, we've been talking about our faith. You know, we've been talking about enduring and standing firm in our faith. And a few weeks ago, we, we touched on the life of Jeremiah his nation was crumbling. The nation was being assaulted by enemies all around. Cities were falling all around the capital. Jerusalem was all that was standing. Jeremiah was called by God to tell the people the truth, to tell the king, to tell the, the priests, everyone, this city's gonna fall. And God asked Jeremiah to do some difficult and some hard things. We touched on one. We touched on one example. He had to buy property and it was the worst 
impossible time for him to do that. But as hard as it was, Jeremiah was obedient. He was obedient all the time. And he was making a point to the people when God would ask him to do these difficult things. He was making a a visual point. He was a sign about God's pending judgment. But the king, the priests, the people, they didn't heed the word of Jeremiah, which meant they rejected God. And in that rejection of God, they rejected Jeremiah. They were all against him. And he suffered He was beaten. He was put in stocks. He was thrown into a a, a muddy cistern to sink in there and die. He was placed under arrest. He was confined by the king's guards. If anyone, if anyone could write for us the model country song, the one that includes everything, and then my dog bit me, it would be Jeremiah. He would be the one. So today, as we consider his lament, uh, my intent is not so much to talk to you again about standing firm in your faith, because we've been talking about that for weeks. We've been speaking about being steadfast in our faith, being resolute, being firm in our faithfulness to Christ. So it's not really my intention to go there today, but you might find some things that could help you in that. Instead, though, I I want us to consider the steadfastness of God, the faithfulness of God, and how we might respond to God's unending, his infinite faithfulness to us, even when we are in, in the very thick of writing out that country song, when we're living the heartbreak, when we're living the confusion, Let's see God's unending faithfulness. Lamentations chapter three. I want to read to you the first 18 verses so we get a real sense, a real good sense of this situation, the life of Jeremiah. This is his song. Lamentations three, one through 18. I am the man who has seen affliction By the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has barred my way with blocks of stone. He has made my paths crooked. Like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in hiding, he dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. He drew his bow and he made me the target of his arrows. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. I became the laughingstock of all my people. They mock me in song all day long. He has filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in the dust. I've been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I hoped from the Lord. Now there, 
is a country song. That is down and out. It is full, full, brimming with hurt and pain and sorrow, bitterness and hardship, a pierced heart. And what's the source of all this pain? Is it a cheating spouse? Is Jeremiah all upset because, oh, his woman has done him wrong? No. The finger seems to be pointed right at God. The Lord's rod of wrath fell on me. He pushed me into darkness. He hemmed me in. He made my path crooked. He barred my way. He pierced my heart. And he filled me with bitterness, with bitter herbs. He broke me down and he trampled me in the dust and he broke my teeth on gravel. And now everything, everything, all that I hoped for in the Lord, it's gone. It's gone. Some like to call these harsh words, these these borderline accusatory words, some like to say they're hyperbolic, they're exaggerated, they're overstated. I read them differently. I read them as deeply, deeply personal. They are forthright and they're honest. All of what Jeremiah had experienced, it was a result of his obedience It was a result of him being called by God to a ministry for God. Jeremiah's life was surrounded by the darkness and the depravity of the culture of his day. He was in a city that was just spiraling in wickedness, down, down, and and farther and farther away from God. Jeremiah was not spared from the effects of that culture that was surrounding him. He was in the middle of a society that wanted nothing to do with the Lord. Remember, we talked about the king who had, who had offered human sacrifice. I mean, this was a time of struggle in the city. Some, some women, you read chapter two of Lamentations, they were turning to cannibalism, eating their own children. This is how bad things were and Jeremiah was in the middle of it all and that society had totally rejected God. Jeremiah was obedient and obedient again to bring the word of the Lord, to bring it to king and to bring it to countrymen and again and again he was rejected, physically rejected. He was beaten, he was put in stocks, he was ridiculed, mocked by the people, thrown in that cistern, all of it. He loved the Lord and he followed the Lord And yet all of his lament was true. He followed the Lord and all this just terribleness of life was on him. You know, right here in our little part of the world, in our culture where we're so prosperous and comfortable in comparison with so much of the world, we have an overabundance here in North America and the USA, compared with the vast majority of the world, we are prosperous and we're comfortable. And there is a notion, there is a notion in Christianity, there is a notion that that's due us, that we deserve this. If we follow Jesus Christ, we ought to be prosperous and comfortable and we should never feel pain or hurt or anything. 
And it's, it, there's this kind of entitlement idea that we are, as Christians, entitled to material prosperity and bodily comfort. We deserve it. We should never, ever experience pain or discomfort, and that's just a false teaching. Jesus said to his followers, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, that doesn't mean we're all going to have lives of Jeremiah, but these words mean something. Jesus didn't say them just for nothing. And long before Jesus walked the earth, Jeremiah had taken up his cross to follow the Lord. And, and this song, the song that I, I could give the title from the first line, I am the man who has seen affliction. His song captures how, how he took up his cross. And we might think after reading these first 18 verses that there is really no sense in following the Lord. There is no sense in being a Christian. There is no sense in having this life of faith. Hey, you've been talking about standing firm in your faith for weeks. Why should we do it if this is, if this is it? Look at all the trouble. Look at all the heartache and the pain. All I can do is write a dirge about it. Well, let's read on. Let's read on. Those first 18 verses, yeah, they're tough and they're hard, but let's read on because this country song, it's not over. Let's read out. I'm going to repeat verse 18. Let's go through a few more verses. Lamentations 3. I'm going to go through verse 26 from 18. So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I hoped from the Lord. Here's that point Jeremiah is saying, I'm done. It's hopeless. I got nothing. Then the very next line, I remember my affliction, my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me, still seems like he's going down. Yet this I call to mind. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. There's a turn here. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I'll repeat those two verses. They're, they're well-remembered. They're most well-known from the English Standard Version of the Bible. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Then verse 24, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who, whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I want to move to verses 31 to 33. For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion so great is his unfailing love, for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. Jeremiah uses words like unfailing. That means it never ends. His compassions never fail. The hopelessness, the hopelessness that this prophet expressed, 
it takes a great turn, a great turn for the positive. Jeremiah, in a sense, he could have been singing what we were singing this morning. I am not hopeless. You never failed me once. His his song takes a turn. And though it was written more than two millennium ago, we can learn from this song. We can take something from it today. When we are at the place where we might write a dirge, especially if we find our, our, ourselves in a sad place because we are serving the Lord, because we love him and we're following him, this song of lament can bring us great comfort. Jeremiah expressed all that he hoped for in the Lord. It was gone. It was lost. But he followed it. He followed up by saying, I remember. He remembered the affliction. He remembered the wandering. He remembered the bitterness and the gall. I remember, he writes, and and I'm downcast. I'm depressed. My soul is down. And yes, let me tell you, you will be depressed. You will be downcast if all you do is remember what makes you bitter. If that's what comes to you, if that's what you remember, you remember your bitterness, your wandering, you remember the the gall, the hardship, especially when you're following the Lord, you will be down. And, and, And maybe you came to believe in Jesus and you were overjoyed. You were overjoyed. You followed after him so, so passionately. You were thrilled. You were thrilled to know you had an assurance of eternal life. And you just wanted to share that. You just wanted to share that with friends and family. You were on fire. You're full of passion. You're telling people. You couldn't hold back telling them that Jesus sacrificed his life for you. And he forgave your sins. And then he he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead and he promises that resurrection to you and he's prepared a place for you. And you're sharing that, you're on fire about that and man, all you get is grief. All you get is rejection. Your family doesn't want to talk to you anymore. They don't want you around. Or maybe you're that strange person at work. You you want to pray at the restaurant. You want to say grace. Well, no one, no one wants to invite you out anymore. You don't get invited to the parties because you want to pray over your meal. And, and you're depressed. You're down. And it's just a little, that's, a, that's our first world problem, that little thing, compared to what Jeremiah would go through. But it can be depressing. It can bring us down. Or, or maybe you're just down because of some other issue in life. Maybe, maybe it is your health or your family, or some fracture, or relationship issue. But if all you do is remember, if if that's your focus, if you remember the reasons that you're bitter, you will remain bitter. Jeremiah wrote it. I remember. I remember. And memory's quirky. Memory's quirky. It often seems like we got no control over what we remember. Something reminds us. It's a place. It's a person. It's a sound. It's a smell. You know, we might hear a song. We might hear a song, and it's just like a great memory. We're back at our high school prom or something. Or, you know, it's, a, it's our wedding day, something. You know, whatever. It's, it's a great memory. That song just, boom, it, it, there it is. It's right there, and you can't get rid of it. 
Or maybe, maybe you, smell, you smell smoke, and you remember then that day of the tragic fire. You know, there, a tragedy comes in your mind. You can't get rid of it now just because you had that little, that little whiff. You know, Jeremiah said, I remember, I remember. Then the turn, yet, yet, I call this to mind. See, Jeremiah took control of, the, of his thoughts. He took control of what his mind was remembering. A memory of bitterness floods in. Then what did he do? I call this to mind. He called into his mind something to overcome the misery, overcome that memory of affliction and wandering and gall. I call this to mind, and I have hope. And what did he call to mind? Let's learn from that. Let's do that. When that bitterness comes, when, when that, that overwhelming memory of whatever it is, call this to mind. The Lord's compassions never fail, never fail. Unfailing, endless, everlasting. His, his mercies are new every morning, every morning. Again, what does that mean? Unending mercy. Great is the Lord's faithfulness. We talk about us being steadfast and standing firm. The Lord stands firm. He is faithful. Jeremiah was not hopeless. He had hope in his Lord. He chased out the memories of bitterness intentionally by intentionally calling into his mind the great love, the steadfast love of the Lord. Think on those things. You got some bitterness coming into your mind. Do what the prophet did and call that to mind. Call to mind that God loved you so much he gave his only son son to die for you and to win for you eternal life. Call to mind that Jesus Christ forgave you of all of your sin. He's got a place for you. He's prepared a place for you. That God's love is so great, he sees you as righteous because of Jesus Christ. Man, you got that bitterness, that angst, that anxiety, whatever it is coming into your mind because something bad happened and you got the country song. You call to mind those good things about your Lord and your Savior. Think on that great love. Think on on his compassion that never fails, mercies that never, ever come to an end. New every day, new every day. With every dawn, God's mercies, there they are. You think he pours out judgment and he pours out wrath? More, he pours out his mercies and his love and his grace, regardless of the reasons of your depression and your bitterness. But Jeremiah didn't stop there. See, he didn't stop there at calling this to mind. He spoke something. He said, I will call to mind. I remember, yeah, I remember, but I'm going to call this to mind then. Then I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this to myself. We heard Pastor Barry up here a little bit ago, and he said, sometimes you got to encourage yourself. That's true. Sometimes you got to preach to yourself. you got to encourage yourself. And this is what Jeremiah was doing. He said, I say to myself, you know, people might see you talking to yourself, think you're weird, but that's okay if you're, if you're encouraging yourself about something in the Lord. And you know, you can do it in your car, and I'll talk to yourself all the time. People will just think you're talking on the phone. Talk to yourself about the Lord. That's okay. Confess out loud. Yeah, you can do that. Confess out loud what Jeremiah confessed. And what did he confess? The Lord is my portion. Therefore, I'll wait for him. The Lord is my portion. The Lord is my portion. What does that even mean, the Lord is my portion? 
The Hebrew sense of this word portion, it's related to inheritance. It's related to inheritance. The, what you receive from your father. And, and God is our heavenly father. What do I receive? It's what I receive. It's my share. This is my portion. Followers of Christ, your share, your inheritance, your portion is the Lord. The Lord is my portion. You say it out loud. You can say it right now. The Lord is my portion. The Lord's my inheritance. The Lord is my share. He is your all in all. You know, Jesus is your everything. And if you have him, if you have Jesus, to have him is to have the one who has all things. To have him is to have him who conquered death and hell and the grave. To have him is to have the one who will wipe away every tear. It's to have, you know, to have him is to have something infinitely greater, infinitely greater than whatever this world's got to offer. You know, you think we need prosperity on this earth. It's nothing. It is nothing compared to what you have in Jesus Christ. You say it. You encourage yourself. Preach to yourself. The Lord is my portion. The Lord is my portion. You can do it whenever. Do what Jeremiah did. And this is what it means to say the Lord is my portion, that you have everything. You have him who holds everything, Jesus Christ. There's a hundred-year-old song. I think, it was, I think it was posed in 1905, and it's called His Eye is on the Sparrow. And it poses a question. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely when Jesus is my portion? Really, why should you be down? Why should you be depressed? Why should you be remembering the bitterness in the gall when Jesus is your portion? You've got the giver of life. Remember, Cameron said this a little bit ago too at the opening. He said in his prayer, I think it was the creator is greater. Remember that the creator is greater than, than the creation, right? But we've got the creator. He is our portion. The Lord is my portion. The creator is my portion. The creator who is greater, he is mine. That's an amazing, an amazing confession. So you call to mind, you call to mind the things of God, how great his steadfast love is, his mercies are new every morning. And you say out loud, the Lord is my portion. Whenever you're remembering anything that's, that's bitter. And then, and then be assured of this. So you, you call it to mind, you say it out loud, and then you know it, you know it. You think it, you say it, and now you know this. You know this. And it's verse 33 right there, dead in the middle of this song of lament, the Lord does not willingly bring grief or affliction to anyone. Verse 33, right there in the middle of this song. And you know, I just think what a great, it'd be a great chorus if they wrote it like one of our modern day songs where that chorus would repeat. It'd be a refrain over and over again. In the middle of all that pain and all that suffering, we could be saying the Lord does not willingly bring grief or affliction to anyone. A little more pain, but the Lord isn't doing it. And what does that mean? In other words, the Lord doesn't relish it. God's not outpouring his, his discipline and his judgment with a big old smile on his face and clicking his heels. God's discipline's not a whim. You know, it's not capricious and arbitrary. That's not God's discipline and his judgment. No, God's discipline and his judgment is response to the disobedience and the rebellion of his people. 
Oh, he's not relishing just like, oh, I'm going to, you know, he's not standing up there with those bolts of lighting. Ah, gotcha. No, no. It, 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 read this and understand. God doesn't relish it. He's not happy about it. He was pouring out his judgment on the city of Jerusalem and the people of Judah because they had disobeyed him. They had rebelled against him. They weren't offering sacrifice to him. They're, the king's offering his own child and fire to some, some man-made piece of stone. And because of it, because of God's outpouring of his judgment on that city, Jeremiah's life was affected by it. And the same can happen to us. But remember, God's not clicking his heels and saying, I gotcha. Now, God is standing firm. He's standing firm in his steadfast love and his compassion. You know, those are things that are unending. He pours out unending mercy. If you feel you got reasons to be down, if you feel you got reasons to be depressed, you know, if those bitter memories are flooding in, Take it from someone who's been there and done that. Take it from Jeremiah. And take it from his country song. Yeah, it was definitely full of the blues. But it had a great turn. It had a great turn of hope. And, and do as he did. Do as he expressed. Think it. Say it. Know it. You call to mind. You call to mind the Lord's great love and his compassion and his unending mercy. Practice it. Practice it when you want to write down, I am hemmed in on all sides. I'm getting beat up and I'm pressed down. And Lord, it's because I'm following you. I'm, you call it to mind. Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You will never let me down. All that to mind. And then profess out loud. Profess it out loud. The Lord is my portion. Jesus, you're mine. I'll wait for you. I'll wait for you patiently, even though I'm in pain. Think it, say it, and know it. You be assured that this isn't God doing this just for a whim. He is not willingly bringing affliction on anyone. And if you do that, if you do that, you can change depression. You can change being down in that pit. You can change the bitterness and the wrath, the affliction and the gall to this beautiful, beautiful hope. See that book. See that book that was so wonderfully, wonderfully structured. So beautiful. It's perfectly balanced. See God in that. See, see that. Know it. Think it, say it, know it. And, and I know if you do that with all your trust in Jesus Christ, it'll, it, it, it will change your perspective. It'll change your attitude. It'll change your life. Let's stand and pray as we go. And I just want to bless you. I want to bless you with, with having this, having this in you. I don't know if any of you are writing your song today. And you might be writing this like I'm you could be you could be like that first line I am the man who has seen affliction or I am the woman who has seen affliction it might be you today maybe it was in the past maybe it was in the past but the memory comes in maybe it's today you're just living it get this
get this. The hard things, sometimes these scriptures are so hard to read, but there's good in them. There's this fantastic, wonderful picture of our God. Take it with you today. Take him with you. Lord, thank you for your word. God, bless bless us with it. Lord, if there's anyone in this room who's dealing with something that's just bitter and hard, it might be because they're following you really passionately and they've been rejected. It might just be a season of life where things have all flooded in. But God, if they're calling on Jesus as their Lord and Savior, I pray, I pray, Lord, when those memories come in and when they remember their affliction or their bitterness, that God, you would bring to mind this thought. Your steadfast love never ceases. Your mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. May that thought flood in. May it rush in. May it consume and take over that bitterness. And God, I pray that soul would then be encouraged to speak out loud, God, you're my portion. Jesus, you're my portion. I'll wait. Even if I got to wait patiently for I don't know how long, I will say it out loud and I will confess it. You are my inheritance. You are my share. You are my all and all. God, I pray that over every single one here and everyone connected online. And then, God, I pray there would be just a knowing, confident assurance. Nothing that's happening is because you willed this affliction or this trouble or this trial on anyone. God, I just pray for that. I ask your grace to befall everyone here with it. I pray that you would take them out on that high note and be with them. Today, tomorrow, eh, if they're at work and there's being the weirdo who prays over lunch, they would just set it aside and know your great love and compassion. Thank you, God. Thank you. Be with us. Be our front guard and our rear guard. Watch over everyone. Bring them back, Lord, to to just worship your name again. I ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Amen. you do need any prayer at all, our altars are always open at the end of a service. We have elders who would anoint you, pray with you. You don't need to rush out. Have a great, great rest of the day.